This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. And welcome, welcome. Good morning, good afternoon, wherever the case may be. You're here live with Dr. Jeff Werber, here, host for the next 30 minutes on Pet Life Radio's Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff. We're here for you, we're here for your pets. We're here to talk anything you want to talk about, though, of course, I've come prepared. Um, and, uh, but it's great. Hey, it's free advice, um, education. Sometimes if you understand a process a little bit better, uh, it makes it easier to deal with what needs to be done, treatment. It helps make decisions about, you know, the good, the bad, the ugly. You know, I always tell this when, when we're faced with cancer cases, for example, try to give the owners as much as many facts as possible and the truth as to what the expectations are. You know, when we deal with treatment in general, it's all about expectation. If you are given the false sense of security that something is curable and it's not cured, you're going to be very disappointed. But if you know the truth, the reality is that we can control things. We not necessarily can't always cure them. And we go into it knowing that there's a chance that this may not work as well, et cetera. So I always encourage young doctors, give you the real, the full story. I think that way it's better for them. It's better for you just going into something, understanding it. A lot of times I'll give clients an option based on that. And you know, they, look, everybody wants to try. I wanted to try when poor Grover was 15 and I had to take a huge tumor off of him. I did. And he, he made it to 16 and a half. So, you know, sometimes it, you still got to make that move. Anyway, we're here. We'd love to hear your questions. number of ways to get a hold of us. The good old-fashioned telephone, 877-385-8882. Once again, 877-385-8882. You can also just join us here on Pet Life Radio. Click on the Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff tab, and you'll see an opportunity for a group chat. You can just enter a message right there, and I will see it. We can also send me an email to drjeff at petliferadio.com. That's drjeff at petliferadio.com. However, the best way to do it is through Google Hangouts. If you go on to the Ask the Vets tab on petliferadio.com, scroll down on Shows to Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff, and you will see a Google Hangouts link. Click on that link. It'll take you to the show, and we'll be able to talk live, real-time. Make sure if you have your little camera covered up, you uncover it. And uh, it's a great way to, you can show me what's going on with your pet. And as I've mentioned before, we are seeing so many, including one of my own, telemedicine, telehealth companies popping up and just get used to it because this is going to be one of the newer ways to converse, to consult with your veterinarian or with a veterinarian, preferably your own, through telemedicine and telehealth. And you're going to be doing it with live video chat. It's fantastic. So as we know, those of you that are frequent guests here on my show, I have a, a great topic we're going to talk about today. I actually did a segment on this on Inside Edition last week. That's how important it is. I mean, it was a national story. And it re- I realized how few people really know of the dangers that we're going to talk about. So I think it's very important to, to log on. And if it doesn't apply to you, it, it's going to apply to someone that you know. So it's just a, a word you want to get out there because people don't even think about it. And I hope I'm you know, keeping you very, very anxious to hear what I'm talking about because I want you to hang on and listen. And we're going to talk about in the second 15 minutes, the second half of our show. So this was interesting. This story is a wow. And why? one of the reasons it's a wow uh, for me is that it is, I have one of these things, and that is a hamster. Check this out. Prenatal exposure to hamsters may put children at risk for diabetes mellitus, type 1 juvenile onset diabetes. How is this possible? So basically, it has been discovered 
that a child who is born to a woman, a mom, who has and has handled a hamster is four times more likely to end up with type 1 juvenile onset diabetes. And the thought is it's possibly some sort of weird virus which can cause diabetes mellitus, the predisposing of to diabetes in the, as a fetus in the womb. And then when these kids are born, sure enough, when they're young, whatever the age may be, they can get diabetes mellitus four times more likely. So it's very interesting. I mean, I hate to tell people because this is so new. You know, anyone who's, who likes hamsters, as I have one, no more kids for me yet, but, but I, I worry. I worry about my, my kids, my daughter, who's got two already. My other daughter's got one on the way. You know, should I not have them handle the hamster? So it's very, very strange. Anyway, just FYI, it's out there. I'm sure there's going to be more to come. But at this point, I would say exercise extreme caution. If you have a hamster and you're pregnant, that you don't want to handle it. And as I said, it could be a virus. Nobody knows. All I can tell you, you know, talk, talking about viruses as a potential cause of diabetes. I have a well-known high school classmate of mine who went on to become chief of cardiology at Vanderbilt. He's now at Stanford. At 45 years of age, he was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. Out of the blue, this guy's the healthiest guy on the planet. And then about a few weeks later, he gets a call from a colleague of his, another cardiologist, who at 50 was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. How, this is type 1. This is juvenile onset diabetes. This is insulin-dependent diabetes. How could this be? And they do feel that there may have been a virus. Why? Both of these guys, my friend David and his colleague, were both at a cardiology conference somewhere. And this happened probably um, a, a few months after the conference by the fact that there are two cardiologists at the same conference at the same place at the same time, and both within a few weeks of each other come down with type 1 diabetes as adults. Again, they feel there may be some sort of viral component. So that's pretty frightening. So keep that in mind as far as hamsters. Also, we want to caution you about the pet DNA test. There are a number of them out there. And yes, they might be able to tell you what kind of breeds you have and, and give you some ideas, general ideas. But be very careful about when they tell you about a, a specific predisposition to a certain disease based on the DNA. Why? Because these tests can be very inaccurate. There's very little regulation at this time. So might it tell you what dog or dogs your dog may have? Yes. It might be able to give you some insight about breeds. You know, I'm, I've seen a lot of results and I said, there's no way that, that you know, 85-pound dog has a little chihuahua in it, but who knows? Anyway, just be careful. Also, speaking of be careful and beware, backyard poultry due to salmonella. This is interesting. 212 people sickened in 44 different states because of backyard poultry. It could be feathers. It could be the feet. It could be the feces. Whatever the case may be, just be really careful. If you are, have your own chickens and you're using them for eggs or whatever, still have a veteran come out, check them out, make sure they're not carrying salmonella because that is very, very important. And more caution. Boy, there's a lot of a lot of caution and stuff out there this week. In Muskegon, Michigan, there was a, a new dog park was built. Since that dog park was built, there have been a plethora of cases of hookworms, whipworms, and parvovirus. So what it's telling you is, unlike many facilities where you go for, like, for doggy daycare or for boarding or, or day grooming, whatever the case may be, a lot of them have very strict requirements to have your pet brought in. Update on vaccines, even now the influenza vaccine, uh, certainly distemper parvo, either titer or vaccine. And um, But when you go to a dog park, a public dog park, there's really nothing, there's no control. There's no, you know, animal regulation guy standing there checking papers to make sure your pet 
is up to date on vaccines, is has been recently dewormed, or his or his stool has been checked and it was negative, whatever the case may be. And here are these dogs; they're just running and playing and having a great time. So it is a concern. So just keep that in mind if you're going to go to like these kinds of places where they're public places where you see a lot of pets. You got to be careful. And um, this is also uh, kind of um, scary. From a, well, just a a dog lover standpoint, this uh, was a study in United Kingdom in England found that undesirable behaviors, undesirable behaviors, we know what that is, was basically cited in one third of deaths involving dogs three years of age or younger. That means when you have these dogs that are poorly trained, poorly conditioned, poorly socialized, many of them end up getting put to sleep. 75% of deaths of these dogs were because of euthanasia. Now, the remaining or what could have been dog fights, it could be hit by cars because they're poorly behaved, they're poorly socialized, they're running around, they're not listening. But when you think of 75% of deaths of these dogs under the age of three, cited behavior problems, it's because they end up in shelters and they end up being put to sleep. So that is really scary. So what's the take-home lesson here? Take-home lesson here is make sure If you have a young dog, if you're going to adopt a young dog, if you have a puppy, whatever the case may be, work with him, train, get him socialized. It's really not that difficult. And if you need to enlist the help of a trainer then or a behaviorist, then do so. But don't give up on him. And whatever you do, don't take him into a shelter because he was poorly behaved. I have to tell you, working with a number of rescue groups that I do, so what they do is they go to these shelters and they pull out dogs that they feel are adoptable. And many of them are young, which is obviously more attractive to a family adopting. And they work with them. And it is amazing how well they do. It really is. They do very, very well. So, you know, I would say that that what you need to do is work with these dogs, get them um, socialized, get them trained, and uh, that so they don't end up actually being put to sleep, which is very sad. And, uh, you know, we talked about this before, and I thought it was cute because there was another um, article about this, about when a dog comes up to save you in a situation, all right, and uh, whatever the situation may be, are they saving you? Or are they saving themselves? There's a fire. There's a, something going on. You know, how much? So the, I love the wording here. It said, the heading of the article said, some dogs often spring into action. And I, that's pretty comical, actually. Some dogs, which some? It doesn't say all dogs. It doesn't say many dogs. It says some. So, yeah, and that also, you know, as I said, we, we've talked about this before, and I thought it's, it's rather cute. You wonder if a dog has a way out of a dangerous situation, okay? Let's say you're, you're napping on the couch or you're in bed, and but they can get out on their own. Are they going to still come and save you? My feeling is, and others say, that if they sense the danger and they want out, they know that you are the ticket to getting them out, whether it's opening on that locked door or opening that locked window, whatever the case is, they need you. So they wake you up. <laughs> they could care less if you stay there or not. Afterwards, they just want to get themselves out. But this study showed that there are some dogs that will actually get you, alert you to a danger, and help you as well, which is good. I would like to think that my dogs are in that category. <laughs> However, I'm not so sure. And um, lastly, this is you know also a scary one. Toxoplasmosis is a parasite that is usually transmitted from cat feces. Also, it can be from undercooked meat and Typically, we used to say that for an adult person, it's relatively asymptomatic. For adult cats, cats are often asymptomatic. We know the severe danger if a pregnant woman is infected with toxoplasmosis because that can lead to some terrible birth defects to an unborn child. But what this study showed is that there's something about toxo 
And it does has something to do with a minimizing or, or affecting hormones or neurotransmitters that dampen fear. So they show that people that are adults, humans that have toxo or have been exposed and get the infection, it reduces their fear and encourages risk-taking. So they seem to these people are linked to higher risks of car accidents, drug abuse, suicides, mental illness, etc. But also on the good side, starting a business. They're very, very active. They don't have the same stops that tell their brain, oh, no, 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 don't do this, don't do this. And that is interesting. So there maybe there are some clinical effects of toxoplasmosis infection that we are now finding out about. So again, if you, uh, something to be really careful, I always tell, I always mention to pregnant women that if you have a cat that come into my office, make sure they wear gloves if they do gardening, that they do not clean the cat litter. They minimize their contact with the, with the cat only because, or if they do touch the cat, to make sure they wash their hands thoroughly and disinfect them before eating or preparing food. It can be a big, big danger. Anyway, we are at that point in our show. We're going to come back. We're going to talk about something that could affect many of your dogs, and you don't even know that it's a danger. And I, we found out that most people don't know it's a danger. So don't go away. We'll come back after these short messages. You're here live with Dr. Jeff Werber here on Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff on Pet Life Radio. We'll be right back right after these messages. Stay tuned. Listeners, I'd love to introduce you to PetPlate.com. They deliver freshly cooked human-grade dog food right to your door. I've been feeding Pet Plate to my pup for the last two weeks, and it's perfect for my picky pup and perfect for me since I'm so busy. So if you want something super healthy, really tasty, and ready to serve, go to PetPlate.com forward slash spot to get 30% off your first box. P-E-T-P-L-A-T-E dot com. Does your dog itch, scratch, stink, or shed like crazy? Come to Dynavite for help. Order a 90-day supply of Dynavite. Dynavite for life. Pick up two tubes of Dogosuds. Get the third tube free. Peppermint, tea tree, lavender, Dogosud shampoo. Made with all-natural coconut, jojoba, aloe. Great for healthy skin and soft, shiny coats. But no itchy, harsh chemicals. Lather up, rinse away. Try Dogosuds. Buy two, get one free. At Dynavite.com. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. And welcome back. You're here live with Dr. Jeff Werber here on Pet Life Radio. Ask the best with Dr. Jeff. I wanted to, I, I did a report, I got a, a contact, I got a call from um, Inside Edition uh, about a week and a half ago to do a story, and um, they often call me to uh, help them when they need a veterinary perspective if the story involves an animal. I worked with them when it came to, you know, the, the uh, 4th of July, and we talked about the airlines. So anyway, this was interesting. It was a story that came out of Tampa, Florida, about a dog, a Labrador retriever named OG, three years old. And he was doing something that many of us that have dogs and live near the, the beach like to do, and that is swim in the ocean. And pretty benign, right? The dogs love it. They jump in the waves. They're cruising around. Um, many of us now that have saltwater pools instead of chlorine might have the same problem. And this is called salt toxicity. And what happens is 
these dogs, as they, and I, I know from my dogs, because they swim in the pool, well, two of them are big swimmers, and they are, as they're swimming, they're taking in water. It's usually hot out here in, in Southern California, for sure. Another day-to-day, it's going to be well into the 90s or low 100s. And, and maybe, you know, saltwater pools have become much more popular. Anyway, they're swimming, they're at the ocean, they're swimming, and as they're swimming, they're drinking water, and we're not paying attention because how bad could it be? We drink saltwater sometimes, we, get, we swallow it, but we don't swallow a ton of it. And here's the problem, that salt, whether it's going to be salted, you know, like rock salt, whether it's going to be salty foods, whether it's going to be ornaments, home, like, you know that homemade Play-Doh, you ever make homemade Play-Doh? That's got a lot of salt in it. And dogs like to eat it. They, know, they really like the taste of salt So or any kind of homemade ornament that, re- that, that requires salt. So what happens is these dogs get a hold of this stuff and they swallow it. And the first symptom one might see, and this is what um, OG was exhibiting, was with all that salt, he started to vomit and have diarrhea. Salt draws fluid in from wherever it could get it. So if the stomach content concentration, all right, or as the, the ingesta is passing through the intestine, it's grabbing water. It's not letting the body absorb the water out, which it normally does. Excess water gets urinated out. And instead, instead, the salt, the fluid stays in there and then we'll get diarrhea. But what happens is as the body does what it can to dilute out the high salt concentration, it steals fluid from wherever it can get it. And that includes cells. And some of the cells that it grabs the fluid from are cells in the brain. So after initially having some vomiting, maybe some diarrhea, these dogs become somewhat sluggish. They might look drunk. They're maybe swaying back and forth. They're getting sicker. They, they might seize. And obviously in advanced cases, they can actually go into a coma. And in advanced cases, really, it actually can kill them as it did OG. And just so you know, it doesn't happen right away. So, I mean, the owner, OG's owner, took OG home, figured, you know, oh, he must have just exhausted heat, running around too much. So he took him home and let him chill for a while. And his symptoms started to worsen. They started becoming more and more severe, more and more neurologic, all because he was playing in the ocean and drinking a lot of the salt water. And it turns out to be salt toxicity is a real toxin. Just as a matter of fact, one of the home remedies to induce vomiting so like, for example, your dog got a hold of something and you're panicked and you go online or you call your veterinarian or you call up and they say, well, give them two tablespoons of salt in water and have them drink it. It'll make them vomit. And it will. It's usually pretty effective. The problem is what they don't tell you is that salt can be dangerous. So it's very, very, very important to make sure they have plenty of fresh water with them. So take home lessons are, uh, I'm not telling you don't take your dog to the beach and don't let him swim in the ocean. Don't let him swim in your saltwater pool. And that's not the case. It's understanding, it's recognizing the potential danger by doing something so seemingly benign and knowing what to look for and what to do about it and why it's happening. So what to look for, as I said, you might have some vomiting and diarrhea. In time, within hours, the dog could be starting to act very sluggish, weaker, seizing, anything that when you get to the neurologic phase of the condition, it's because the cells in the brain are, are becoming dehydrated. In order to balance out the salt content in the blood, it is dehydrating all these other tissues to save, to reduce the sodium content. So, so when, you know, we have this toxicity, this salt toxicity, um, what we want to do is, first of all, when you are taking a dog or you're going to have a dog that is going to be subjected to this, make sure you, A, bring plenty of fresh water, all right, to combat the hypernatremia, to combat the high salt content in the blood. So what will happen is it'll dilute it out 
and then it will be resorbed from the intestinal tract and it will dilute out the salt content instead of the body stealing it from cells that necessarily need their fluid content. Minimize the amount of time they're going to swim. I, I tell people minimize the beach to about maybe two hours, taking plenty of breaks, letting the dog chill, offering some fresh water. So whatever he may drink from the ocean, the fresh water will help dilute that out in the stomach at the same time. Same thing, by the way, when you're in a pool. So if you have a dog that loves to swim and you have a saltwater pool, of course, the salt content in a saltwater pool is not as high as it is in the ocean. But again, just know that it is a possibility. So make sure they have plenty of fresh water to drink. And then of course, it's understanding, recognizing the signs. So if after a day at the beach, a day uh, in the pool, where the dog has started to show any signs of sluggishness, of wobbliness, of sort of almost like not, not being all there. Like they, you call their name, they may look at you funny, they may stare into space. They're sort of, in essence, they're out of it. Their brain is someplace else. And if they had vomited, if they had diarrhea, then, or of course, if they seize, but don't wait till the seizure. If you have any of those symptoms or see any of those symptoms in your pet, or if you have friends that live near a beach and or vacation near one of the you know beaches, they go back east, they go to the west, and they go down to the Gulf, wherever the case may be, wherever they can be subject to salt water, let them know that this is a real possibility and to be very, very careful. Get the dog into your veterinarian or a veterinarian in emergency as soon as possible. Get some IV fluids going. Again, the purpose of the IV fluids is going to be to dilute out the salt content, to reduce this, what we call hypernatremia. And at the same time, to replenish the necessary fluids going back into the cells that need it, especially cells in the brain. So um, it is dangerous. We want to warn you. I was shocked how many people were totally unaware. Um, what they were doing is, uh, with Inside Edition, they went to a beach and started interviewing people whose dogs were just wow, I'm having the best time in the ocean. They were playing, they were running, they were jumping, having a blast. And were you aware that salt water can kill your dog? And very few people are aware of it. So, and I want you not to do it because as long as you take the precautions, they love it. My dogs love it. So um, just have them, you know, keep doing it, but make sure you're aware that this is a potential problem. Take the precautions, bring the fresh water with you, minimize the amount of time in the ocean all at once. And that way you and your dogs can have a fantastic time enjoying this wonderful weather we're having in hopefully most parts of the country. All right, that's it for all uh, we have for today. Uh, once again, if you need to get a hold of me at any time, send me an email to drjeff at petliferadio.com. And if you have any questions or any subject matter that you want to cover on the show, anything you want to learn a little bit more about, anything that maybe one of your pets has been diagnosed with, then you would just like a little better understanding if you need help making a decision um, about what to do, what direction to take, which surgery to do, whatever the case may be, feel free to get a hold of me. We'll talk about it on the show. And we'd like to have you live on the show as well. So have a great week, everybody. And we'll see you here next week here on Pet Life Radio's Ask the Best with Dr. Jeff. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.